Well, thank you very much for that very kind expression. Uh, my wife and I truly consider it to be a, a, just a real privilege to serve God here at Great Oaks Community Church. And uh, 10 years has gone by in a flash. Wow, it went by fast. Uh, but it has been a real joy and a real pleasure. And don't take it personally. If after we shake hands, I find my way over to the Germex and just squirt my hands. Nothing against you. It's just a quirk. Just a quirk I have. And uh, the post-it notes. No one can imagine the plans I have for those big poster notes. <laughs> but no, really, I, uh, that was very kind, and I really appreciate it. And, um, so thank you. Now I have the responsibility to focus us here on God's Word this morning. Uh, we are in the, the third week of a seven-week series called Famous Last Words. Famous Last Words is titled that because we are studying John's chapter, John chapter 13 through 17. And this is the time that Jesus spent with his disciples uh, just before he goes to the cross to die for the sins of of all mankind. And so uh, this is his final intense time of teaching with his disciples, all right? So that's the Last Supper. And, uh, and so, we, so, we, so we've chosen to title this uh, uh, The Famous Last Words, which is where we got the title. There is a bulletin insert in your bulletin, and it's a crossword. It's been there for the past two weeks. It'll be there for the next uh, four weeks also. And uh, it's a, like a crossword here, and so like the clues all go with each week. So, as you do the crossword, it kind of tells you what we're talking about each Sunday. So, that's why that's in there, not just so you can do that instead of listening to me this morning. Um, today, I have the, the responsibility of, of teaching us from John chapter 14. There's way too much to teach John chapter 14 in 30 minutes. So, I'm going to focus on the first six verses of John chapter 14. So I'm going to ask that you read with me as I read those verses. I'm going to read through verse 7. John 14 is a great chapter, right? I mean, obviously, every chapter is a great chapter. But it would be well worth your time to spend time tonight uh, at home uh, uh, to, like, read through the rest of John 14. So I don't have time to do that all this morning, but that would be well worth your time. This morning, I'm going to read the, verse, the first seven verses and then I'm just going to uh, ask for God's blessing upon our time today, and then we'll get into it. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, then you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Join me in prayer, please. Dear Father, we thank you for the inspired word that you have given to us to study, to learn, and to show us how to live our lives so that we can know you, serve you, and, and bring glory to you each day. 
God, I pray that you will help us understand your word this morning. God, may you open our spiritual eyes and ears today to what you want us to learn. God, I pray that you will move me out of the way so that you can speak to all of us here today. God, we love you so much and thank you for this great privilege that we have to sit in your house this morning to sing songs of praise to you, to study your word, and to, and to spend time here as a group of Christians in worship to you. God, we ask for your blessing upon our time in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we get into John chapter 14, we have to quickly look at the last few verses of 13, because that kind of sets up what Jesus says in chapter 14. So there are a few things that he said in John chapter 13. I want to quickly, I just want to quickly highlight. Verse 27, Jesus says, what you are about to do, do quickly. He's talking to Judas there, and he tells Judas to go out and to put into practice this plan that he has to, to betray Jesus and to hand him over to the soldiers. Uh, and then in verse 33, Jesus says, my children. Okay, so now he's speaking to the other disciples, all right? So Judas is left. They are in the upper room. They're having their last supper together before Jesus goes to the cross, all right? And then he says this, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. And then in verse 36, Jesus talks to Peter, and he says, Where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. And then again, he talks to Peter and in verse 38, and he says, Will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth. Before the, roast, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. At this point in their lives, the disciples are all in. I mean, they are fully committed, right? They left everything to follow Jesus. And they've been following him now for three and a half years. Jesus has been performing his earthly ministry for three and a half years. He's in his 30s. He's probably about 33, all right? And now, after three and a half years, he's sitting with his disciples who have left everything to follow him. Right? And the disciples at this time in their life, right, they think that Jesus is going to set up an earthly kingdom. All right? They understand, as we see previous in John, that Jesus is from God right? and that he's sent from God, from heaven, uh, to earth. So they know that. But they think his purpose is to set up an earthly kingdom to set the Jews free from the rule of the Romans so that they can have their own nation again. Uh, they don't understand that Jesus has been with them and training them and equipping them to go into all the world to preach the gospel. They don't know that yet. They're going to find that out in, in a few days from this point. All right? But now when Jesus tells them, I'm going somewhere, and where I'm going, you cannot follow. And then they also see Jesus tell Judas that Judas is going, or, or that Judas should go now so that he was, going to, he was going to betray him, right? And they saw that whole dialogue happen. And then they hear Jesus talk to Peter, and he says, Peter, you're going to disown me three times before the rooster crows. Right? Now think if you're one of these disciples, and you've been following Jesus, and you hear all this talk, right? I can just picture myself in that room and, and, a, and a real heaviness come down in that room 
as the disciples, like, we can't follow you. Jesus, we've been following you for three and a half years. Now you're telling us you're leaving and we can't come. We've left everything we have to follow you, to be with you, and now you're telling you're leaving us? Jesus also knows what is ahead of these disciples. The the definite heartache that they're going to see in just a few hours as they see Jesus hang on the cross. But not only that, but in the days and years to come as they go through incredible persecution to take the message of Christ to the world. Jesus is aware of all this. So he tells them in John 14, verse 1, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for me. So Jesus, fully aware of the heaviness of the hearts of his disciples, says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And then he goes on to explain why. Why they should trust him, right? He says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go there to prepare a place for you, right? Jesus is able to say, don't let your hearts be troubled because Jesus sees eternity and Jesus sees heaven. And Jesus understands that these disciples have a place waiting for them in eternity that is far greater than any trial or trouble or persecution that they are going to face, far greater. Notice what Jesus didn't say. Jesus did not say, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Because I'm not going to allow anything bad to happen to you. Because I'm not going to allow you to have any kind of struggles, troubles, or persecution. Trust in me because I'm going to make everything go great. No, he doesn't say that. And as we read the Bible, he never says that. In fact, he tells us to to carry the banner of Christ, to follow Christ, comes with a great price. Difficulties, struggles, possible persecutions, right? Our brothers and sisters in Christ know all about it in other parts of the world. They They pay great price for following Christ. Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. He's saying, disciples, live in light of eternity. Understand, understand that I've got something much greater ahead of you. So don't be troubled about what you're about to see, about what's going to go on in your lives. Live with the end in mind. Of course, the end, we know, really has no end, right? That's the beauty of it. It's eternity with Jesus forever. And then he says in the next verses, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Many rooms. Many rooms. Now, picture Jerusalem at this time, okay? It is the... It is, the fast, it, is the, it is the Passover feast. It was Jewish law that every male Jew go to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover feast. All right? 
Now, I tend to think that a lot of the male Jews did not go, right? But a lot of them did go, all right? So now you have Jerusalem, and it's packed. John 12, 12 actually teaches us that there's a great crowd in Jerusalem that has come to celebrate the Passover feast, right? So Jerusalem's packed. I tend to think that all the inns and the places to stay were all taken, right? It's going to be hard to find anywhere to stay during this feast because it's packed, right? And so Jesus, taking this opportunity to encourage his disciples to live in light of eternity, uses the words, in my Father's house are many rooms. Many rooms, right? What's Jesus saying? I believe Jesus is teaching us there and his disciples there. Heaven will not run out of room. There's always a place in heaven for you. There will never be a no vacancy sign hanging on the pearly gates, right? It is, there's always room for another person in heaven, right? I don't know if you've ever had the, the unique experience of trying to get into somewhere where there was no room. Perhaps even not having a place to stay for a night because there was no place for you to stay. To my, to my memory, I can only remember one time that's happened in my life. I'm going to take a few minutes just to tell you about it. It was in 1997, all right? I know I'm starting to show my age a little bit. 1997. At the time, I was living in Alaska. It was time for me to go home. And so I was going to drive from just outside Wasilla, Alaska, to my sister's place. And she lives in, in, in central Minnesota, all right? That's 3,500 miles. That's a long drive. Longest drive I've ever taken in my life. All right. And so, uh, just before I go, I had my dad fly up there to go fishing with me, have some fun, see Alaska, and then he drives home with me. So I have a little Toyota station wagon, all right, a little Toyota all-track station wagon. I don't know if any of you have ever had the pleasure of having one of those. I actually really liked the car. It was all busted up, and I had plastic in the windows. It was an Alaskan car. It was awesome. All right, so I had the station wagon, and I loaded it up. It was packed, just packed. And uh, all right, so my dad and I start driving, all right? So we leave Alaska. We go through the Yukon a little bit, the southwest corner of the Yukon, and we go through British Columbia, and then we go down into Alberta, and we end up in, in Calgary, all right? First time I've ever been in Calgary. Probably the last time I'll ever be in Calgary. All right, so we're in Calgary, and uh, it's a 40-hour drive. I looked it up on Google Maps. It's a 40-hour drive. We made that drive in about somewhere between two to three days, a little over two days, all right? 40 hours just driving time. This is how it works, all right? So we're driving along. We're switching drivers. And when both of us are tired, we pull off the side of the highway. We find a rest stop, a, a dead end, a parking lot, something, and we sleep. I pack my car so full that the seats, the driver's seat and passenger seat, can't possibly go back any further. So we just pull off the side of the highway. We find a rest stop, and we just sleep like this, all right? That works great for a couple hours, but two nights of that, that's no fun, all right? And so we're driving along. We finally get to Calgary, and we're like, we've got to get a hotel. We've got to get a hotel. All right, so we pull into Calgary, find a hotel, right? And we are so excited to 
lay on a mattress to sleep and to, and to uh, get a nice hot breakfast and a warm shower. And uh, we pull into a hotel and we walk in there. The conversation goes something like this. It goes, uh, yeah, you know, we'd like a room for the night. Uh, do you have a reservation? No, I don't have a reservation. Sorry, sir. I don't have any room. Ma'am, I've been driving for two days. Got to have a room. There's no room. Okay. Can you call up a, one of your other hotels? See, see if they got a room for us. Sir, there's no rooms available in, in Calgary this week. Oh, no? Why is that? Because the rodeo's in town. <laughs> the Calgary Stampede. It's a big deal around here, sir. People come from all over. These, all the hotels are booked up. You won't find a room. That was frustrating. And I started to feel a little unwanted, a little unappreciated. I can see how people kind of lose it, right? Because I was tired, and I wanted a hotel room. And I thought about jumping up on top of their counter, <laughs> turning around to the crowd of cowboys, and saying, can anyone here appreciate the fact that I've been driving for two days? Two days. I'm hungry. I'm tired, and I need a shower. So does anyone here, any of you rodeo people and your cowboy friends, appreciate the fact that I need a hotel room? Right? I didn't. I went outside. We got in our car. We found an empty parking spot, and we fell asleep. <laughs> but that's what I wanted to do. I felt unappreciated, unwanted. Jesus says, that's not going to happen in heaven. Everyone's got a room. There's a place for everybody. Every place. Everyone's got a spot. Heaven will not run out of rooms. But he goes on to tell us something else very important. Let's keep reading. Verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Now that's interesting. I'll tell you why I think it's so interesting. Because I believe that in these verse or in this verse Jesus is referring to the to the uh, church rapture, to the rapture of his saints. I understand that not every Bible teacher believes in the rapture. After studying the Bible and doing quite a bit of reading on the subject, I believe in the rapture. This is what the rapture is, in case you're unsure of what it is. I believe that one day Jesus is going to return in the clouds, not come all the way back to earth, but, but come down in the clouds. And he's going to call home to be with him those who have placed their faith in Christ, the church. All right? After the rapture takes place, that is going to lead to the great tribulation, right? A time of a terrible suffering for anyone that's on the earth, right? After the tribulation, I believe Christ comes back to earth, all the way to earth, sets up a kingdom that he rules for 1,000 years. After that 1,000 years is over, Christ makes a new heaven and a new earth that will last for all eternity, 
believe it's all right there in the Bible, friends. That's what I believe. I believe that when Jesus is talking in this verse, that he's referring to that rapture. I'm excited for it. In fact, I've been praying the past weeks and months of my life the same prayer that John prayed in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 20. It's a short prayer. He says, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Right? I'm excited for the day that I get to go spend eternity with my heavenly Father in heaven. And I got a room there waiting for me. I think every Christian, every follower of Christ needs to be very excited about that day. This is why. Because the Bible is clear in its teaching in the New Testament that as followers of Christ, we don't belong to this world. We should feel out of place in this world. This world is not our home. 1 Peter chapter 2 calls us strangers and aliens in this world. We don't belong here anymore. We, after placing our faith in Jesus, our citizenship is in heaven, not earth. There's some verses out of 1 John that I want to read to you. I want you to listen to these verses. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Friends, if you are a follower of Christ and you find yourself belonging to this world, feeling comfortable in this world, loving this world, then giant red lights should be flashing in your spirit. Warning, 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 warning. Something's not right with your walk with Christ. If we feel comfortable here, like we belong here, these verses make it very clear. We don't. This is not our home. Now, God's given us a mission and a purpose here, right? To take his message and his love and his light into all the world. That's our purpose, Right, to live for God and to take his message wherever we go, to be a light in a dark world. But don't mistake this place for your home. It's not your home. Don't try to make it your home. Don't want to be a part of it. Right? Be in it, not of it. Because our home is in heaven. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, take me home. I don't belong here. God, I'll do my best to live for you. To take your light into the world. But God, i got to be honest. Come tonight, Jesus. Come tonight. I don't believe anything has to happen before the rapture takes place. I believe the Bible says it can take place today, right now, if he wants. It may. Maybe it will take place in a few years. Maybe not in my lifetime. I don't know. But I pray, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Let's keep reading. 
Verse 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm going to read it again. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Friends, those words are absolute. They are unqualified. They are unconditional. If you believe that this is the inspired word of God, then you have no choice to believe that Jesus said those words. You can choose to believe Jesus was a liar or a crazy man, but he said those words. Now, what do we do with those words? I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Friends, in a culture and a world that we live in where you can't even tell anyone they're wrong or say no to anybody, you've got to include everybody, everything, everyone's, everyone's opinions just as fair and equal and as everyone else's. No one's wrong, right? These words aren't popular. Friends, the message of Christ hasn't been popular since the day he spoke them. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Friends, when it comes to matter of Je- matters of Jesus Christ, don't be politically correct. Be accurate. Your eternity Depends on it. So Dan, are you saying, Dan, are you saying that all the people in, these, in this world who don't know Jesus Christ will be separated from him forever for all eternity? Even if it's another faith or a religion or whatever, good people, right? Some, some very good people. Yes, I believe that's what Jesus teaches. Right? Oh, Dan, that's so narrow. Dan, that's so narrow. Yeah. Jesus called it narrow in Matthew when he says, Wide is the gate and broad the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. Small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to eternal life, and only a few find it. Oh, friends, I hope, I hope you understand the weight of this verse. There's one way to God the Father. There's one way to heaven. There's one way to have fellowship with him, and it is through Jesus Christ. There's no other way. Jesus didn't say, I am a way. No. He didn't say, I hope you try me out after you try the other ways out because maybe my, may, may, you know, maybe my way may work for you a little bit if nothing else works. No. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. How was Jesus the way? How was he the way? Well, we know because we have the entire Bible. And we know that in just a few hours after speaking these verses, Jesus goes to the garden. Garden of Gethsemane. He's, he's betrayed and he's placed into the hands of the Roman soldiers. He's then led and he's put on trial before Jewish leaders 
and the Roman leaders. And he's sentenced to death. And the Romans take him and they nail him to a cross. But in reality, the Romans didn't put him on that cross. His love for me and for you put him on that cross and kept him there until he died. God's perfect sacrifice. Friends, if you and I would have died on that cross, it wouldn't have meant anything, right? We got sin. Our sin would have caused us to be on that cross. We deserved that cross. Jesus, God's son, was perfect without sin at any point ever. Because of that, he was able to take your sins and my sins and die for them. He was the perfect sacrifice. No one else in the history of the world has ever been able to do that or say that. Only the Son of God. So I'm going to ask you, Have you had a point in your life where you have come before God the Father and confessed to Him your sin and acknowledged to Him that you believe His Son, Jesus, is the only way that you can have a relationship with Him, have your sins forgiven, and live with Him for all eternity? Have you done that? If not, I hope you will today. Some of you might be thinking, Dan, I was born in a Christian home. Ah, I just kind of inherited this from my parents. No, friends. Your parents' faith won't save you. Your faith in Christ saves you from your sin and what he did on the cross for you. Oh, Dan, I married an awesome woman of faith. I mean, she's so strong. She's got enough faith for the both of us. I can get in to heaven on her coattails. No, doesn't work that way. Each person has to decide for themselves what they believe and to receive the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Dan, I've always believed. I just always believed. Oh, I don't understand what that means. People tell me that. I just always believe. I don't know what that means. I don't get that. At some point, someone told you about the gift of Jesus Christ, the fact that you placed your faith in him as, this, as your Savior from sin and the penalty of the sin, internal separation from God and hell forever. You don't have to worry about that anymore because of what Jesus did. It's the greatest story ever told that will ever be told is the gift of Jesus Christ for you and for me. Awesome. Changes everything. It does take our citizenship out of this world and puts it in heaven, right? It won't be easy to live for Jesus in a world where everything is contrary to him, right? Everything. That's okay. We live our lives in light of eternity. We got a place in heaven waiting for us. You know what the Bible says? No more tears, no more suffering, no more crying, no more pain. It's all gone for eternity. Perfection with God forever in heaven. It's what the Bible teaches. I believe it. I believe this is the inspired word of God. 
I'm basing my eternity on it. I hope, friends, that everyone here has come to place their faith in Jesus Christ. If not, I'm going to give you a chance to do that today. I'm going to have the band come out. I'm going to have the band lead us in a song. As the band plays, if you want to place your faith in Christ, there's a bunch of empty seats right up here. I'm going to have you come up here and sit down. Don't worry about what anyone else thinks. All right? Jesus died on a cross in front of everybody who walked by. He wants to be bold in our faith. If you've never placed your faith in Christ before, I'd like for you to come up and do it today. I'm going to give you a minute during this song. After the song's over, I'm going to get up and pray for all of us and just ask that God would just be glorified with our relationship with him. All right? Go ahead, band.